so Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to to have you on here. Um, how's your day been today? Hey, John. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, and it's been going good, man. Just another day in the life of COVID, right? <laughs> Tell me about it. So we we talked briefly on the phone like a few days ago. Um, and, I, you know, really stoked from the conversation just because we kind of connected and talked about some things that, you know, we haven't talked about really since I've known you, which I think realistically, like if you had to put a number on how many years do you think I've known you? I was trying to think of that the other day, actually, after we talked, I think it was probably 2013 range, maybe, maybe 2012. Um, when we kind of first met, uh, I think it was from Senate, right? At Mississippi State. Yeah. 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 And so that would put it about seven years or so, I think. Oh, that's a long time. Uh, so we talked about, you know, kind of both of our journey and kind of interest in like content creation and social media and marketing and things like that. So I guess one of the things that I really didn't ask you um, is, you know, going back, if you could redo all those things that you were trying, which one of those things were you like the most passionate about that you wish would have taken off? So we last time we spoke a little bit in length about film and media and kind of getting started to where I kind of found a drive and passion for all that. I would say I really wish I would have stuck more with content creation in the YouTube realm back in like 2009 and 10. Like just when my high school friends and me were just kind of goofing off and just kind of like shooting like skits for the first time and kind of like writing it out and doing all that. It was all for fun and to kind of pass the time because uh, like, you know, small town in Mississippi, it's not not a ton to do, right? So you want to kind of find something that, you know, can be fun for your friends to do. And that's what we kind of found. But I, I wish, especially in the early golden days of YouTube, um, that I would have kind of kept with that and, and maybe even branched off into something else just because that was, like I said, so early stages of YouTube. And to kind of get ahead of the curve and just push out content and like, whether it be, like I said, skits or maybe even some branding things or like you can go a ton of different ways. Right. And that's the case. It's always been for, for content creation. But I think just kind of doing that and sticking with it, even in high school, um, who, who knows what would happen kind of leading into that. So. So just curious, like what kind of YouTube videos that you and your friends put up in high school? So I'm not going to drop the name because I believe there's still some videos out there and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to uh, open that door back up. But uh, essentially it was a lot of just, we would basically write out skits and just, just for comedy, essentially. Um, there were a lot of like early stuff that if you go back to like uh, Donald Glover's original days, like he kind of first got started from sketch comedy and we just loved that kind of stuff. I think it was called Derek Comedy, if I remember the channel right. But it just funny stuff to make people laugh. And then we just post the videos. And then we'd like go to school the next day. And it'd be, you know, guys be like, hey, watch the video last night. It was pretty funny. And we'd be like, oh, we're like actually getting a few people to watch, you know. And I think that's when I first kind of like fell in love or found a passion for just media in general and film. And I think that kind of led into, you know, um, as we talked about it, my whether it be travel videos i bought a gopro and started kind of filming from that just for fun and then it kind of morphed into 
music festival vid- videos and kind of recap for like the groups I would go with. And it was just always a really fun outlet for me um, because I, I found that I liked I liked editing the videos and like pushing it out as much as I did capturing it. So that's when I was like, man, I really have found something that's kind of just piqued my interest. And, you know, if it could ever turn into something bigger one day, you know, just, just dreaming, um, then that would be pretty cool. So if you had to, you know, if you decide like, Hey, I want to get back into this. Uh, if there was a social media platform today, which one would you choose to kind of get a reboot and what would be your kind of angle for the content you would put out? That's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, YouTube's always been there and I, I know it, or at least I did know it back in the day. So like that would be, I guess, a good start. Um, I feel like I've seen a lot of people push out a lot more stuff on like Vimeo just from the quality standpoint. Cause I've always read that it's a lot better of an output. Um, so that's just my understanding of it. But I, I, I assume I would go back to YouTube. Now I will say that it's what this has kind of done um, is like I said, I was talking about some music festival videos. So I would capture it for my group and post it. And I actually have gotten a first gig out of it, essentially for filming a wedding of one of the couples that was in my uh, like camping group. And so I was like, Oh, oh wow. Uh, you know, I kind of never really thought about that arena. Um, but you know, that kind of opens another door of, okay, now I'm thinking, all right, let's, let's see how this goes. Let's play with some equipment. And then what could that morph into? But that's a really good question though. I haven't really thought a ton about from a content and like pushing out stuff standpoint, what would be the best place to start? Because like I said, YouTube's evolved. There's more things out there um, now. And uh, honestly, I mean, you're, you're the guy I feel like I should ask. So I could t- take some advice from you on that as well. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess the I, I think, you know, with you being so comfortable with YouTube and kind of having, you know, like a dynamic presence, like you've done the comedy sketches, you've done kind of travel recaps, you've done concert recaps, um, which kind of leads me into my next question. You know, when when things kind of go back to normal and, you know, there are more concerts, do you think you will continue to um, like record at concerts or music festivals and do recaps? And do you see kind of the uh, degree or kind of the quality of of what you had previously been doing? Do you see that being something that you would want to evolve or take a little bit more seriously? Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I think that, like I said, I've, when I've created these videos, start off just for fun. And like I even, I got some good feedback from um, various you know, crew members or people who went and they were like, Hey man, really enjoyed this. It kind of, you know, even that little spark of just saying, Hey, somebody watched it. That kind of, you know, was really, uh, I just really appreciate that. And so, yeah, I've seen my editing skills kind of take a jump, um, just from learning and like being more familiar, you know, I started, uh, kind of just in the basic, you know, windows, like, movie maker back in the day and then moved to iMovie and found out what iMovie can do. And, and now I'm like, okay, if I, if I jump again, let's say when things kind of ramp back up, you know, do I go pro tools? Do I go some of these other software platforms that to kind of take it, like I said, a little more serious and would have a little bit more financial uh, stake in it for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I think that if, if I, if you could say what would be a career that I could potentially make out of it or a side business or something, 
um, for that, then, I mean, yeah, I'd like to see how this wedding film kind of situation goes, but then that, that could open to, all right, could I, could I film and shoot some for more of my passion in the live music scene? Could it, it develop into, you know, shooting some live shows or, you know, documenting that way? And just, I think it becomes a kind of a snowball effect from there. So yeah, definitely. I, I would very much like to take it more serious or kind of go that next step um, when the opportunity arises again with uh, post COVID. Okay. So obviously, you know, music kind of being your passion and also, you know, filming, if you had the opportunity to be the tour videographer for one band, who would it be and why? Let's see. Let's see. So my immediate like fanboy, like 15 year old Ryan is going to pick Blink-182 because they're my favorite band ever. Um, and even though they're like 40, they're like 40 something years old, <laughs> you know, like it wouldn't, it's not gonna be the same appeal as it once was. That would be my first gut reaction. But honestly, um, if I'm going to pick a more relevant and more prominent artist in today's um, land, I would probably say Dylan Francis. Um, I'm really into uh, the EDM scene. Um, I've been, you know, just obsessed with it for a long time. And, and I've found to be the live show is very, very entertaining. Um, just from the production sense, what they're able to do, you know, with pyrotechnics, with lights and visuals. And plus, just I've seen his personality, and he has a personality outside of uh, just being a musician. He he's an actual like he is just so funny on social media. If you ever like watching his stuff, he's just got his own like way about it that it would just be a lot of fun. I feel like to shoot and film and kind of like go on tour with. So I I would definitely think it'd just be very fun on and off the camera to shoot with a guy like Dylan Francis just just because I think he's a hilarious dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So kind of blending the two things, talking about like YouTube and, and music festivals, actually the, how I kind of, I, I agree with what you were saying about Dylan. Uh, and the reason I know, because I've actually seen him uh, in like the videos of like some YouTubers like David Dobrik and like other people like that. And like have seen his like, cause he actually really does have a comedic personality. Um, and so like, like he's extremely witty if that makes sense. Um, yes, and so definitely. I, I definitely understand what you're saying. So I guess going back to the beginnings of the YouTube career and being in a small Mississippi town, did you feel like the people um, who were surrounded by you, like supported what you did or like, where was that kind of like some judgment of like, Oh, he's like making videos on the internet or like, what was the kind of perception of the people around you? I would say of my friend group and people who, you know, were even like secondary friends who just kind of knew who I was, it, they definitely supported me. And I thought it was really funny. And, and you know, I, don't, I didn't see at least any, you know, kind of backlash from that point of just, oh, why is he doing this? This is weird. But outside of that, like, I don't feel like I got a lot of traction or a lot more like push or opportunity just because, yeah, the, the resources were limited um, you know, it's just uh, not a lot, like I said, around um, in, in Forest, Mississippi. So, you know, I think that the community that would see me and be like, 
what's this guy doing running around with this camera, like in like downtown forest? Like, like I, I don't understand, you know, like it, it was just, so I definitely kind of felt that vibe where it's like, uh, you know, just, just a little bit of judgment from people who didn't know what I was doing. They're kind of like not used to, um, a guy with a camera kind of doing stuff and, and, and trying to make out, uh, ideas and videos and situations. But like I said, out of my core group of friends and even, you know, people's, uh, parents and stuff like, you know, they would help out. So I, I do think it was kind of half and half, like you're saying, like it was a little bit of, um, support from core group, but outside of that, it was kind of just like a, what the heck's he doing? <laughs> Yeah. And so do you think that that changed once you went to college and, you know, you were kind of not with the group, you were kind of doing your own thing? Like, do you think that perception changed at all? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I mean, college is just a a time to kind of get to rebrand yourself and and kind of see what, you know, what path you want to take and kind of start over. Um I heard something the other day that said that like when people go through their freshman year, they're auditioning their new life. And I think that's actually pretty, pretty relevant and real. Um, but yeah, I just took the same stuff that I like to do. And, you know, I got to, I was carrying my GoPros around everywhere else, taking on, you know, Mississippi state bowl trips. I was making things and, and from people seeing that, Oh, he likes to go to this. He likes to go to shows. It wasn't a, that's weird. Why are you doing that? It was like a, Hey, can I tag along next time? Can I go with you to the next show? Not because, you know, anything different other than just, Hey, I like some of the same interests you do. We're like-minded, you know, let's, let's do something like that again sometime. And I think college was a good area for that to kind of like breed and happen and kind of uh, collaborate like that. So definitely. Okay. So of all the music festivals you've been to, um, which music festival was your favorite? And then who is your favorite person you've seen live? So that's a very easy pick for me. It's got to be Bonnaroo. I mean, Bonnaroo was the very first one I ever went to. I've, I actually keep up with a Excel sheet of every show I've been to and every I kind of log it because um, I'm kind of the data nerd like that. And I like to look at what you know, my trends have been over the years. Um, I break it out by genre and everything and I break it up by festival as well. But, uh, Bonnaroo has definitely been my favorite by far. Um, it was my, my first one in 2014 and I've been to four since. And, um, it's just, it's just a whole different world, man. Um, it's, it's, you know, since you're camping overnight, that makes it a whole nother level of dedication. It kind of, it, it would weed out some, a more casual fan just right off the bat. I think, um, you know, cause you're not getting to stay in a plush hotel. You're not getting to just go to the show and then go home. It's kind of another co- level of commitment. Um, and then, you know, it, it's just, once you're there, like I said, since there's no quote unquote going home, you just kind of get immersed in the world for, for a weekend. And, um, it's, it's really just fun. Like I said, you have the opportunity to see so many more shows you get to, um, experience even other things besides shows. I mean, the music, the food there is incredible. And with the vendors, they have these art installations, they have yoga classes, they have uh, painting, they have um, just, just a wild mix of stuff, comedy as well. So it really is like its own little world for four days. And um, I would definitely uh, advise it to any, like music fan that's kind of want, kind of thinking about it and saying, ah, I don't know if I'd 
like it or I don't know if I'd whatever. I would say just just try it once and see what it is because I, I promise you you're going to be, um, you know, have just a different outlook on on life and how, you know, some of those events like that happen. I just think it's a lot of fun. My favorite show ever. Oh, man. This one's, this one's also going to be Bonnaroo. Shocker. Um, but there was, there was a time when this, this was 2014 or 15. I can't remember. This was when Chance the Rapper wasn't quite as big yet. Um, he had played at like a 2 a.m. show that was like only like a, probably a thousand people there. And, and, and I stayed up and went to it and I was like, this is the best thing ever. And I thought that was going to be my best show of the weekend or potentially ever. Cause it was just so amazing. It was right after his acid rap mixtape had kind of like really gone from SoundCloud to mainstream. Um, but then the very next night earth, wind and fire uh, played like a headliner sh- uh, set. And I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a, decent fan of earth and fire. I mean, I'm not like a, like a hardcore fan or anything, but I was like, I'm definitely not missing them. Cause this is like one of those legendary acts you have to see. So I walk up, it's about five minutes from the show. I'm with my uh, buddy, Sean, and we noticed that the pit, which is the, you know, the, the area closest to the stage, um, is, is kind of blocked off, but it's, but it's open. And usually the way that works is you have to kind of wait in, in the pit line. And when it fills up, it fills up. And, and there's kind of this divide of people who think, oh, that's like a VIP only area or I'm not allowed in there. It's kind of restricted. Well, that's not the case at all. If it's still open, you can just walk up and go. But there was, you know, tens of thousands of people just backed up forever in, in the, the field in Manchester, just uh, lined up right for the show. So we're just walking up and I'm like, I'm like, Sean, the, the gate's open. And uh, he's like, dude, let's just try and go. So we, we walk right in. Um, we get in the pit and next thing you know, we're front row for earth, wind and fire. And if that doesn't make it already great, because you know, they have the big band, they have all, all the sound, the horns, it's just an incredible show. Chance the rapper comes back out on stage for that show, plays a song with them. And then Kendrick Lamar shows up and I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is actual like music magic happening right here. Like this will never happen again. You know, this is something that's a once in a lifetime thing. And I just got lucky enough to be front row for it. And it was seriously mind blowing. And, um, but I was just that whole series of events, you know, walking up and getting front row accidentally, earth, wind and fire is great. Then you have two rappers. I mean, Kendrick Marvin had already hit peak of his game. I believe or it was hitting peak. And then you have a rising star and chance at that point. It, it was just incredible. So that, that's gotta be number one. Okay. So if you could, um, or I guess the better question is what music festival have you not gone to that would be like a dream music festival to go to? I think, I think the, the easy answer is going to be Coachella probably just because that's always been from a media standpoint, from just a hype and from a celebrity status standpoint, that's kind of been the quote granddaddy of them all. Um, out here is what's kind of referred to in the community sometimes. So I'm just going to go and say that one just because, you know, in California it's pretty far away. Um, so it's kind of been kind of out of reach for a long time, just from funding, you know, it's like, okay, I'm already going to spend, you know, drop a couple hundred on a festival ticket. Well, uh, a flight out to California would, would 
rack it up even more, you know. So um, that's one I haven't had a chance to yet, but I would say it probably is definitely um, bucket list uh, just because the lineup's always amazing and you just have the opportunity to kind of be in a space where you know is a, is a lot of, um, you know, A-list uh, celebrities and kind of event like that. I think it's pretty special how that all goes down out there in, in Indigo. Yeah, so being that you've gone to a lot of music festivals and it does get kind of hectic, what is the craziest thing that you've ever seen go down at a music festival? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, this podcast is about to get R-rated. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, but um, I think, I, yeah, so here we go. I think definitely the weirdest things that were stuck out, uh, stuck out to me was I, I woken up from camp one morning and, you know, just get drinking some water, eat, eating breakfast, whatever. And this guy walks up and he's, uh, has like a, I remember it vividly. He had a university of Michigan t-shirt on. He was, um, walking around with like this little vial and he's, um, asking people, you know, can I, can I get you anything? Can I go and sell y'all? You're trying to buy anything, whatever. Um, and I'm like, no, I'm good, man. Trust me. I'm, I'm good. And, uh, I see him walk across the next campsite and they're like, yeah, yeah, what you got? And he's like, well, I've got L as an LSD. And, uh, he's like, I, I got liquid form cause it's more pure. And I'm like, and I'm just like listening intently. Cause I'm just like, this is crazy. Like I, I've never, you know, seen this go down, you know, I'm just like wide eyed, like, whoa. Um, and he's like, and they're like, okay, so what do we do since it's, you know, not like a tab or whatever. And he's like, no, just give me, give me some cardboard. And so they, they tear off a piece of cardboard. Um, and, uh, they just kind of put it into little squares and he drops the acid on the tabs of the cardboard and he sells them for 20 bucks a piece. And so they, they give him like a hundred dollar bill and he gets five little sheets of cardboard out and just five drops and then walks off. And I'm just like, Oh my God, you know, like my head's spinning. Cause one, number one, I'm just like, that's acid. Like, you know, I've never seen or even like been near it, whatever. And then for it to be just those little bitty drops to be that much, you know, per like drop, it, it was just definitely mind blowing. And, and I was thinking, man, you don't know what's in this. Like those people are just blindly trusting this, this chemist from the University of Michigan. Uh, so that was definitely the weirdest thing I've ever seen, no doubt. <laughs> All right. So I think we've talked about music festivals enough. Um, but, you know, just in music in general, like outside of, you know, like film and music, like you you actually have other interests as well. You have a second Instagram account where you have probably like a million records and also you're a, a rock connoisseur. So when did uh, kind of the record collection start? Uh, I think it started, it, it started in college, actually. It, it was before I left Startful. Um, I had been gifted just a very cheap Crosley record player. And, you know, I, I'd grown up, my parents had a couple records. I had, had grandparents who had like a little collection. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool, whatever. But, you know, growing up, it was like CDs and everything else is like, you know, it, right? Um, well, I, I don't, I honestly don't remember what got me fascinated again with it. I, I think maybe I, I went to a friend's house, saw they had a player out, 
saw that it was just more, you know, of a listening experience. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Like I kind of might want to get into that. And so my senior at state, I started collecting a little bit, just one off records here and there. I, I got a few, like I said, from some of my family's old collection, just to have a few to start. Um, but when I started buying some of the more new pressings of current music, um, I was like really impressed with, you know, some of the artwork that came with it. Some come with posters, some pressed in different colors. And I was like, this is really awesome. Like from an actual collection standpoint, because I've also, I've, I've always wanted to collect something and I've just been trying to figure out what that is. And then it kind of clicked with me. I was like, maybe this could be my thing. Um, you know, if I, if I want to keep going down this path. And so little by little, I started, you know, digging more. If, if I'd go on a road trip somewhere to like a, uh, to a Birmingham or a Nashville or, or whatnot, I would, you know, kind of search in there and say, Hey, you know, is there a local record store? And I kind of Google around, find it, go visit it. And it became kind of a stop on, on the leg of the, of the trip. Um, and so that, that became pretty fun with me, but little by little, I mean, it just started to grow and, um, it, you know, then I upgraded my player and then it, it became kind of like a talking point and centerpiece when I got my first apartment, because I had like this back wall that was kind of like this jetted out, like little study area that wasn't my living room. And it was like off from the kitchen. And so I took a lot of the posters from the records I bought that had artwork come with it. And I would just place them on the wall and then I had a little table and I put my record player there and, you know, and kind of made it nice, had like a little stand for it and everything, a little light. And, um, it, it just, I, I was, when, when I had that set up and complete, I'm like, this is awesome. Like th this, I've kind of reached a point where I'm like, I really, really like this. And this is going to be like one of my things. Like that was like the, the final moment when I got my first place. I'm like, this is cool. Um, so when people would come visit, they'd be like, Hey man, I love that record wall. That's awesome. And, and I'd be like, yeah, let me throw in a record. And so it kind of became a social thing, you know, to kind of have somebody over, I'd just like say, Hey, let's, you know, pick a record. I'll throw it on. We can sit down have a drink, just talk, like hang out. And so it, it really just has been a lot of fun from a social aspect and a collection aspect to kind of grow my collection. And I mean, it's, it's, it's gotten expensive at times too. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong, John. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely not a, um, not, not a cheap hobby, but it's so fun to, you know, like I said, to go to these shops or kind of just, uh, go online or, or be a part of this Magnolia record club that I'm a part of. They, they'll just send you a new pressing every month kind of curated by Drew Holcomb. And so I, I think all that's just awesome. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun. So Long story short, I, I created the record account um, after my um, lovely wife, uh, Becky, she was kind of pushing me. She was like, hey, you know, that's be something cool to kind of post, you know, like just kind of show in, you know, your collection. And, and, and I was like, yeah, and I was like, maybe I could like review the album too and everything. And then, you know, it just kind of one thing, one thing led to another. And um, I was trying to think of names and I was like, okay, well, you know, what else could I pair it with? What's something that I, you know, like, and I thought, Hey, I, I, you know, usually sometimes have a cocktail or, or sometimes like whiskey, just neat. I'll, I'll have that, you know, I think pairing, you know, a drink with music is just a whole nother like level of just enjoyment. And so, um, I, we kind of spitballed and came up with the name records and rye. Um, and so from there, it's just been an awesome time, like getting to engage with the, 
uh, vinyl community and, and and the bourbon and like rye community too. Um, as I've just started to f- follow a lot of accounts and kind of like build up my page from that. But you know, I'll I'll, I'll post a record. I'll you know give it um, a little, just a little bit of background info for the the reader and then kind of my review on it. And um, then you know a couple posts later, I'll, I'll do a kind of a whiskey review for some that I've either been gifted or kind of have built up in a little bar collection too. So um, it's been just, it's been a lot of fun, man. And it's like I said, the community and kind of, you know, it's just been something I really enjoyed. I've learned of a lot of new music and gotten to listen and, and purchase and grow my collection more after having the account. Um, and it's just those like little engagements, like, you know, someone will DM me, Hey, I appreciate the review. I actually picked up this record or, Hey, if you like this, you should try this. And, um, that's just been a lot of fun, um, to kind of get to know, like I said, the community and, and, uh, just, just posts for fun. I think it's two really cool things and yeah, it's definitely been a, been a fun adventure. Yeah, that's awesome. So if you had to estimate, um, how many records do you think you own? I actually do know almost the number, almost exactly the number, because I've logged it into Discogs, which is basically a vinyl community um, where you can just log everything you could sell. It's kind of like a marketplace, if you will. I have around 140 currently. Okay. (laughs) So, so yeah, and when it it totals the number, the, uh, the estimated value based off of what they've gone for and everything, and so it's somewhere around 3,000 to 3,500 uh, worth for the collection. And I'm just like, when I saw that, I was like, good Lord. <laughs> I was like, when did this happen? Do you because, think you know, that much into it? I, I, I think so. I think sometimes I've gotten lucky with buying stuff when it first came out. And then now it's not pressed as much. So it's kind of gone up in value. I've had it happen a few times. Um, just where it's kind of a limited run, limited pressing. Um, and like I said, the club that I'm in that sends me one every month, those are all limited runs too. So it's it's like you're not going to get that at your standard shop. Um, but I, I do feel like I've put a lot of money into it, but, but I would like to think that I've made a little bit from an investment standpoint on it too. So we'll just, we'll just go with, uh, with yeah. <laughs> so is there ever uh, like a situation where – that was like a record that you either really wanted that was probably like a limited run or like real hard to find. Or was there a situation where you ended up just getting a record and then later finding out like, Hey, this is a jam. I should hold on to this. Yeah. So, um, right off the bat, I'm going to circle back around to chance the rapper again. I mean, that's, he seems to be the theme of the evening. Um, but he had his acid rap mixtape, went on sale for the first time ever where it wasn't like a bootleg, you know, uh, knockoff copy. Um, he actually released his own line of it sometime last year in the fall, I believe. And so I jumped on it quick. I was like, this is going to sell out so fast. And so I bought it. And next thing you know, it, I, it, it delays so far in the actual production and, and shipment of the record that I forgot I even bought it. Um, it, it was like seriously five or six months later. I, I'm not sure what happened with the production, the pressing, stuff like that. But or maybe he just had so many orders that he had to, you know, basically catch up. Um, 
but he they finally sent everything out and it yeah and I looked back and it's I I bought it for maybe 25 30 bucks and it's worth well over a hundred dollars now just because that was the one-time run of that of that uh specific pressing and so that was a quick turnaround like flip for sure and I was very happy to see that when I looked on Discogs um and as far as on the other point that you mentioned with not being fast enough or having something run out. Um, I'm also a big fan of uh, the Avid brothers and they just released their, or they just announced their new album is for pre-order. It's called the gleam three. And uh, we, my wife and I were working just from home like normal the other day. And they released the announcement that they were having a limited run of of signed copies uh, for the pre-sale. And we saw the email come through within about five minutes, maybe 10 tops of that email coming out. And so we're both like rushing online because she's like, I know he wants this. And so she actually saw it before I did and uh, was like trying to get it for me. And I saw it later because I was on a meeting and I was like trying to buy it, but it sold out in under 10 minutes. And I was like, dang it. I was so disappointed, you know, and I'm really fingers crossed that they're going to do like another round of that. Um, at some point, but to get it signed by Avit and uh, just, you know, for that limited run, I knew that was going to be worth a lot, but was not quick enough on the gun for that one. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, you know, kind of going into the other side of the Instagram account, like, have you always been into whiskey or was that like something that just developed recently? I would say if- I've always enjoyed it to some degree. Now my tastes have definitely uh, grown and been accustomed over the years. Um, you know, in college it was whatever you could buy, right? It was just a uh, Evan Williams green label. <laughs> that that was it. Um, but you know, bottom shelf only. Um, but I think that now, you know, just having a little more f- funds to try stuff out and, and do different things um, definitely have, grown my my taste i, I tell you my, my father-in-law has a huge collection so i've gotten i've been fortunate enough to try a bunch of stuff that i wouldn't have been able to come across or not been able to afford yet um through him and so that's kind of helped as well but i think just kind of refining to say okay you know i i enjoy alcohol i, I like all this stuff i'm but i wanted to focus on one thing that i could really kind of uh develop a better taste and palate for and so i just kind of stuck with with whiskey and the, and the variations of all that. So, um, it's, it's been nice, you know, with recently being married and having wedding gifts and, and things like that. A lot of people have, have noticed, okay, Ryan likes whiskey. Let's just buy him that. And so I, I've really, uh, been beneficial, uh, the beneficiary of a lot on that end. And so that's kind of grown my, my home bar, um, which in turn is going to help out the account, you know? <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, no, it's, it's, uh, definitely been cool to kind of you know just just learn more about it you know taste and and just just enjoy it you know because that's what it's it's meant to be you know it's what's why it's made is to enjoy and um you know i've with all this downtime too i've been able to um watch documentaries i've watched some documentaries on scotch and whiskey and things like that and and uh, along with wine and other, other things but um just to kind of bartend more and just like trying things because you know we can't we can't go places john you know that and so uh you got got to get creative here um but you know to developing cocktails and different things so it's just been really fun to kind of go down that that road too and, and find something else that 
you know, you can study and learn and, and just kind of be more of, of in the know about it. I think it's, it's really, really fun as well. Yeah. So I guess speaking on, you know, getting able to try a lot of different whiskeys, what is a whiskey that you've tried that you've really enjoyed, but it's kind of been out of your price range and you like, man, I wish I could have that again. Yeah, I, I think, um, so Jefferson makes a, it's, it's a bourbon aged in barrels at sea and which is really cool and kind of different and weird to think about like, okay, it's not just at some random distillery somewhere sitting for, for years. Um, they're actually aging at sea. And so it has this sea salt like, uh, taste to it. Um, and it's a pretty expensive bottle. I've, I've had some and, and had the ability to been gifted by somebody some, but it would definitely be out of my price range normally to where, you know, I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable just walking into the, um, you know, the local liquor store and just grabbing a bottle and going on my way. Right. Um, but I think that's been really cool, um, to get to kind of taste and enjoy that. And like I said, it's a very, it's a small batch run and with it having the kind of that history and you kind of read about it from like the tag and from the bottle, um, the fact that it's kind of agency just kind of gives it that extra characteristic. And I think it's cool too. Um, cause it's just kind of like a story, you know, like it's like, okay, well I'm reading about and learning about where this actually was made. And I mean, I think that's a lot about our, our culture and, and kind of our generation too. We're more excited and more interested in food and drink and things like that and where it's coming from, you know? So it's, it's more of the story behind it and, I just feel like we're more of a health conscious and and um, just curious as to what we're putting in our body. So it's just like interesting to read about that and like learn, you know, how it was made and and I just think it's a really unique situation, kind of being the aged at sea thing. Yeah, that actually is really cool. Um, yeah, I went to a distillery one time uh, and got to tour, but I mean, yeah, just like you said, you just see a bunch of barrels sitting in the back of a warehouse and. They just tell you you have to wait like a few years and it's like, yeah, then it'll be fine. But I think I think that's like the the story behind it makes it much more interesting. All right. So this is actually a new thing uh, that I'm going to try. And you have an opportunity to ask me one question, whatever you want that to be. Uh, so go for it. OK, wow. Good put on the spot here. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, well, you've, I, I've got one. So you've been a man of, of many business ventures and I've always appreciated that about you. Um, from, you know, even college on, I could always see the, the mind turning that way and kind of your gears turning. And it, it was just definitely, I wasn't surprised, you know, when we got out of college and you were just turning things over left and right. But from a business standpoint, and this could be media, this could be, um, you know, various things that you've kind of had your hand in. Um, what's been the project that you've been the most proud of and the least proud of? And what did you learn from those? Um, so I would say the project that I've been the least proud of, uh, it was actually in college. It was a subscription box company. And it wasn't that I didn't believe in it or the people that I did it with because I actually did. I think the thing that I was more so disappointed in was that um, 
there was a lot of things that we didn't know about, specifically like supply chain management, um, that kind of really uh, tilted the, I guess, the trajectory of the project. Um, and and I think like that was pretty much like the determining factor of why we ended up having to walk away from it, just because there was just so many different factors regarding like the supply chain that we didn't really think about. Um, you know, like sourcing products. And like, I think we also kind of spread ourselves too wide, too fast. And so that was the thing, but I actually really did enjoy um, that thing is actually, um, I think every business idea I've had, whether it's been like a success or a failure, like I've always kept um, like a souvenir from it. And so the subscription box company, it was called amenities box um, and I was like one of the people that designed like the actual physical packaging that we sent the uh, products in. And essentially it was geared towards college students and it was like a monthly subscription for like um, like bathroom essentials. So uh, like soap, toothbrush, toothpaste, uh, like basically anything you would need because as college students, like you don't have time to do this. You just kind of don't care. And it's like, it, it's just easy to have it delivered to you. Um, but actually when we decided that like, Hey, this is going to be the last month. Cause we had like monthly subscriptions for like a few months. And we had, I remember it was like, we had like a few boxes left, a few supplies left. And I was like, I'm just going to make a box and deliver it to myself just so I can see what it feels like. And so I think I technically was the last person to receive a package from us. And I, I literally think I still have it has not been opened. And that, and that was like six years ago. So if there's ever like a drought of like shower gel, shampoo, like I at least know I have like a stockpile somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I would say the one that I'm most proud of is like what I'm doing now, because I've always you know, it kind of the same as you like being interested into media content production, um, like social media, but I've always like try to do it for other people or for other startups or just kind of beat around the bush. Um, but I think Vine was kind of like the, the first opportunity that I had to put myself out there and see like a really positive result on like a mass scale. And I was like, okay, like maybe, maybe this is what I need to do. And, you know, I've wanted to do YouTube and kind of um, been interested in it, but kind of like almost like afraid to put myself out there, even though like, I'm usually not like a person to like shy away from something I want to do, but I think, and that's why I'm going so aggressive now. So uh, you know, doing a podcast and actually and pretty soon probably about to start doing YouTube and also doing Twitch because it's like I've held myself back for so long. It's like it's just kind of like if I don't do it now, like I'm probably never going to do it. And I'm like going so fast to make up for all this lost time. Yeah, no, that's exciting. I mean, all those channels you just mentioned are, are you know great options for media. And like you said, yeah, I mean, if not now, then when? And, um, so, I mean, yeah, I've been excited. I mean, I'm excited for this project that we're on right now, obviously, because I think it's been a lot of fun, but it's just been cool to see, you know, even from the fact that we hadn't hung out or interacted a lot here lately, um, just, you know, keeping up with you on, on a lot of the social media stuff and just see you continually push out content. 
I mean, I'm excited for you moving forward in that too, especially in the Twitch and esports range, because that's something that's really interesting to me as well. So I'm excited to see that kind of take form. Yeah, I actually have an interesting story. So I got the PC set up finally, and I have been doing like trial runs on like the Grand Theft Auto Online using like um, kind of like open servers uh, to just kind of see like what you what my take on is going to be and i've i've like been failing left and right uh like the first night i get into open server and i'm doing great and i decide like oh i'm gonna role play as a cop and it's like five minutes into the game i'm like standing in the spot because everybody who joins the server pretty much spawns in one central location and then you can leave from there but that location is considered a safe zone. So you can't kill anybody or really do anything inside the safe zone. So I finally, I got my uniform. I got my car. I'm driving around to try to familiarize myself or to see if I can like see anything and like maybe pull someone over, like maybe like do an attempt. And I see yeah, this car, yeah. car like speeding behind me. And I'm like, does he not realize I'm the police? Like what? Like, and so I kind of slowed down and he like kept speeding, but then he like gets behind me and slows down. So I'm like, okay. So then I like pull over and then he pulls beside me and gets out of his car and points a gun at me. So instantly I look at the map and I'm thinking like, oh, I'm close to the safe zone. So I like floor it to like the safe zone. And I literally, it was like two blocks away. But it was like a hill. I literally jumped the hill and landed in the safe zone. I'm like, okay, you can't get me now. And he was like trying to swing at me, but he couldn't because the server wouldn't let him. And so I think he got smart. And he literally drove his car down the street, stood on top of his car, and sniped me from outside the safe zone. And I was like, sir, it wasn't even that serious. Like, it's not that serious. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to log off. So the next night, I joined a different server. And it's, it's I'm kind of like more accustomed to how the controls work. I'm driving around the city, just kind of doing my thing. Actually, that was the first time like I actually interacted with some other um, community police. Like this, when you first join and you're like new, you're like a community police. So you have a, a different car, a different uniform. You're like, you have different rules. And he was like... Hey, like, can you help me do this? And I was like, yeah, I can give you some advice. I was like, look at me, like, training these rookie cops uh, on my second day. <laughs> so I'm like, moving on up, driving, and then literally the same thing happened. This car is like speeding up behind me, and it like tries to run me off the road. So I'm like, we're not dying again. So I'm like, I'm gonna be smart. I, I like made a U turn and I like floor it. Well, in that span, another car was coming in the opposite direction. I guess they were together. So it was these two cars. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not like I'm not gonna lose. So I'm like, I'm gonna try to lead them and then I'm gonna take a dirt road, jump out of my car and hide. So when they come behind me, I'm gonna shoot at them. Um, but then they didn't show up. So I was like, well, that was stupid. Uh, but you know, I'm slowly but surely figuring it out. I think at this point, yeah. I'm just gonna just abandon their server and just become like a commercial pilot in Grand Theft Auto. There you go, man. You got, you got high hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So speaking of dreams, you know, we've talked about this and you know, you have the Instagram account. Maybe one day we'll get you back on YouTube and we'll be doing the uh, concert 
wrap up videos game, but I really hope, you know, we do see you get back out here because, you know, you're one of the people I'm definitely rooting for. And I just want to say, I definitely appreciate you uh, for taking the time out to come on the podcast because it's people like you that definitely make it successful. I appreciate it, John, the kind words and uh, looking forward to your all your content and everything as well. Thanks, man. Yeah. So thank you so much. And um, definitely check check out Ron's second um, Instagram account, Records and Rod. See his 140 records and his uh, his biscuit that's been aged in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Odd to Nowhere. If you liked it, be sure to give it a review and subscribe so you get notifications when I upload new episodes.